You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. On this episode, we'll hear from Julie Blinko. Following that, we'll hear three stories from members of our community on how they respond to God's love. It's from Psalm 23, verses 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does anyone remember one thing from the kids, one thing from that poem about what a shepherd does? Yep, yell it out. He guides them. Good work. You noticed that one. And? He stays beside them. He's right with them. Absolutely. Any others? One more. The superheroes, yep. He looks after the sheep. Gosh, yes, he does. He looks after them. And the sun says, cook suit, and then the egg dessert. Can I have a translation? (laughs) He gets food and they eat the food. And the dessert specifically is what I heard. He does, he feeds them. That's a great answer with dessert and food that they love. Good answers. Okay, it looks like you guys are experts on this and you've nailed some of the things we're already looking at today. So we've been journeying through the book of 1 Peter. And as mentioned, Peter was a man who was told by Jesus, go feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And we've been thinking a lot about that, particularly to be in the world, but not of the world. And you might remember we've been looked at what it looks like to wait on God, what it looks like to be holy, to be living stones, to live with mission or respect, to suffer well, to live for eternity, to walk with humility, to share Jesus. And I think there's another one down there as well. We've been looking at these things. And as Megan mentioned uh, the week before last, it's It's felt a bit heavy at times, you know, there's a lot of persecution, there's a lot of hardships. So as I was praying uh, for how he wants us to finish, like how he wants us, what's the bookend of this sermon? He showed me, tell them I love them. As I read the word, tell them I love them, tell them I love them, tell them I love them. Love is the reason we do this. Love is the reason we're following God. Love is the reason we walk through these different things and live as followers of Jesus. And I believe today he really wants to flesh out the love of God for each of us. So I'm going to share for about 10, 15 minutes on the love of God based on Psalm 23. 
And then I've got three people who are going to come up and they're going to share a testimony, a story about in response to God's love, how do they live? So that's what's happening this morning. It's a little bit different. A few years ago, I was finding it quite hard to understand the love of God for me personally. I got it that he was love, but that he loved me personally was just hard to fathom. I'd left Brisbane, and um, it was seven years ago, and I'd sold everything I had except that which could fit in my little Toyota Corolla, and I came down to Melbourne feeling a, a tug of God to move to Melbourne and to live missionally in Melbourne. So I'd sold what I had, I was driving down, I'd missed the floods by one day, a lot of my friends were in that flood disaster, um, I wanted to be with them and help them with their houses and the rest of it. And I must admit, sometimes I felt strong and courageous, but a lot of it was fear and trepidation. I didn't know anyone in Melbourne, I didn't have a job to come to, I was really scared at times, and there was a lot of, what on earth are you doing? You know, what are you doing? And so there was internal fears. I was questioning God a lot and questioning his love for me. And, you know, did you really know? Do you know what you're doing, God? This is my life. Do you know what you're doing? When I was in Sydney, I was training there at a, a missional school and I fell down a flight of stairs. Now, this never happened and it felt quite dramatic. And to be honest, it really hurt. And so I fell down this flight of stairs and at the end of it, I just like, <sighs> if you're my shepherd, you're not doing a very good job. And I don't say that sacrilegiously, I said it as my heart's cry at the time, because there were so many big questions that were just, there was an exasperated cry and prayer to him. Now God's big enough to hear our honest prayers, and he meets us where we're at. And he heard that prayer. And two days later, I got a phone call saying, hey Julie, we're traveling around New Zealand at the moment. Can we pay for you to come and join us for the two weeks? Sit in the back of our car and go for a bit of a trip with us. Well, how many of you know how many sheep there are in New Zealand? <laughs> how many shepherds there are in New Zealand? It didn't quite twig until for the next two weeks. All I saw really were sheep and shepherds, shepherds and sheep for two weeks driving around the North Island. And it kind of occurred to me, oh, he heard that little teary prayer and he's giving me a crash course in what the love of God is like by the understanding of how a shepherd's love looks like. So I want to look at four things I learnt in that crash course and something that's relevant for each of us. Number one, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He is your personal shepherd your individual personal shepherd. God loves you, and that means you are known by God. So as I was driving around, it's a little bit mean to say this, and I'm sorry if it offends, but I found it enjoyable to bark the horn. So I'd be like, bop, ah! and all the sheep would just get startled. Bop, and they'd jump again. Over two weeks, it was just this sadly, endlessly amusing game of like bop and then all of them would jump at the same time. And eventually God was like, oh gosh, I'm not sure he thought she's really stressed. She needs some, some stressing. But he said, how much are you like those sheep at times? How much are you so easily startled? How much are we so easily startled by things that actually when you get it from a bigger perspective, it's not such a big deal? An unexpected loss of income. 
I don't know what I'm doing next year. <sighs> My child's made an unusual decision. I don't agree with it. What's it going to mean for their life? Jump. There's so many things that rattle us and startle us. What I noticed about those sheep, they only noticed what was in front of them. They only saw what they could see. They couldn't see the bigger perspective that their shepherd had gone before them and put barbed wire, electric fencing, a big um, ditch, and a whole lot of shrubbery was everywhere protecting those sheep. There was no way this little curious tourist was going to get a hand on those sheep because the shepherd was so proactive in his care for them. We too are deeply known by God. We too are deeply treasured by God. And God has gone before us in ways we couldn't even see to protect us, to hedge us in, to keep us safe. Those shepherds, um, those little sheep were anointed with oil. Apparently a farmer told me there's little bugs in the soil over there and the oil smelt, it's a pungent smell, and those little bugs that could bite the sheep and cause them harm, the oil prevented it because when the little bugs could smell the oil, it, they would go deep into the ditch and get away from the smell. So he had the, the shepherd had anointed the sheep with oil to protect them from harm's way. The sheep would have had no idea except they were being cared for. So we can walk in a profound peace, not understanding, not seeing everything, but knowing we worship a God who sees all and knows all. He is our source of trust and our source of strength. We are known by God. Second thing, God loves us and we matter to him. Verse 2 to 3 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. They collectively show us we matter deeply to God. These little sheep in New Zealand were sometimes quite far away from the other sheep. They were sometimes quite alone. Like if they were to just see it from their own perspective, like where are, where are my friends? You know, I'm here by myself in a paddock. I can't see the shepherd. I can't see the other sheep. Yet each of them was marked, whether it was a clip on their ear or a, a um, spray paint on their, their bodies. Each of those little sheep was known. Each of them was aware. The farmer knew where they were. And it's the same for us with God. He marks each of us as his own. We have been paid for, and we were really expensive. We were worth a lot. You see, God saw you, loved you, knew you, wanted you, and gave all he had, his own son, Jesus Christ, to have you. The cost for him was all he had so that he could have relationship with us. Such that whoever believes in God, whoever believes in Jesus and puts their trust in him won't perish but will have eternal life. We are his. Now sometimes I, I used to think in economies of scale, you know, like, well, it's worth one person's life if it means billions can know God. Like, that's just efficient, you know? Jesus, his life for the whole world, it seems like a good trade. And then God started bringing it down, saying it wasn't just for the whole world. It was for you. It was for you. It was for each of us individually. And he would have done that and paid that whole price for any individual, even if it was just one person. His love's not like Vegemite on toast, where it gets spread thinner the wider you spread it. His love is strong, stable, consistent, steadfast the whole way for each and every person. And it's free 
because Christ has paid for it. This is um, not the most apt example, but the, most, uh, the, the closest one I could find to a modern day example. Who here has um, Facebook, a Facebook account? Or who has heard of Facebook? Still a few, no, no hands up. This half of the room, there's this whole thing going on in the world right now <laughs> called Facebook. Suppose you have a thousand Facebook friends and you wake up one morning and you only see 999. What do you do? Normally I would think, oh well, someone's closed down an account or defriended me, I don't know who it is. But the love of God to stretch the example wide is seeing that one missing person, seeking them out, finding out who they are. Oh, that was my friend from Perth. I'm going to refinance stuff so I can fly to Perth, seek that person down, reach to them, restore this relationship, find out what their needs are and give all I have so that I can be in back relationship with them. It sounds a bit weird, almost stalkerish, like if you did that. It's not my recommendation that you do that, but it gives you an example of the love of God for each of us individually in a a small modern-day example. We are known by God. We matter to God. God is for you. Surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. If you're in this room and you already follow Jesus, this is like a plan for your life. This is what God's got in store for you. If you're in this room and you've never met Jesus, you don't know him personally, you can make a decision today to follow him. This very day you can say, yes, I want to respond to you. I want you to be my shepherd. Sorry, thank you, please. Sorry for how I've lived my life. Thank you for the price you've paid. Please be my Lord and Saviour. It's a decision and connected with your heart that has a powerful eternal difference, which we'd love to speak to you afterwards if that's what you're deciding. The future for you and for all of us who have God as our shepherd is that goodness and mercy will chase us down all the days of our life. Knowing the heart of our shepherd changes everything. In the uncertainties, in the health challenges, in the tricky family and relational dynamics, in the long seasons of darkness, joy, celebrations, when we know that God is for us and actively pursuing us with his goodness, his mercy and his love, it gives us a trust to walk by faith into the unknowns before us. The motorbikes I thought were a bit more powerful for those that weren't relating to the sheep images. And I thought when it comes to God, he is proactively pursuing us with strength and power. There's assignments on our life by God, imagine it like a stamp. You shall experience goodness. You shall experience mercy and love. I will chase you down with them all the days of your life. I will use your circumstances and turn them for good so that you might know God. And the fourth point, that's what it comes down to. Why? The love of God is so enormous. It's for us individually. And what does he want from us? He wants to be with you. This psalm is an, it's called chiastic poetry. It's an ancient Hebrew form of poetry. And the highlight of that poem is right in the middle. Right in the middle, verse 4, For you are with me. And at the end, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
He loves us. He provides for our needs. We matter to him. Our lives are worth it. And what does he want in return? To be with us. After that New Zealand two-week sheep intensive that I was sent on, God taught me a lot about shepherds. And over there, there was a lot of times you couldn't see the shepherd. You just assumed they were there somewhere. Our shepherd is so much different. Our shepherd is with us all the time. Our shepherd is with us in whatever we face this week, in whatever things we're going through in life. Life still happens, the ups and the downs, the unknowns and the knowns, but he desires to be with us as we go. He doesn't say, see you at the finish line, or I'll leave some hay bales halfway through. No, he's an active God that walks with us and cares for us. Tell them I love them. Tell them I love them. Tell them I love them. You are loved people. We are loved people that walk as loved people. It's, it's easy sometimes to understand that here, but I pray today that it would sink in deeper and deeper and deeper and transform our lives. Uh, I'd like to invite Neil and Linda and um, Carolyn up here. There are seats prepared earlier for you. And each of them are going to share a little bit about what it means to them to respond to God's love. In response to God's love, they, I worship. So Carolyn, we'll, we'll start with that. Thanks, Carolyn. In response to God's love, I worship. Psalm 59, 16. But I will sing of your strength and proclaim your loving devotion in the morning. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. A few years ago now, I came across a Christian song which I played over and over and over again every single day in my car whilst driving. I wrote all the words down and I learnt this song off by heart. I implanted it in my head. I meant every word of it when I sang it. I'd sing it as loud and as strong as the lady on the CD. Thankfully, nobody hears that in your car. It's just God and you. Well, it was my cry out to God. It was my plea. It was my prayer. Sorry. And it came from deep within my heart. And it was my conviction. And if you engage your heart with songs, it becomes a prayer to God. And God always hears. Our current series has been centred around 1 Peter. The journey of life with Christ through suffering, pain and anguish. Well, God had heard my cry through this song as I worshipped him from deep in my soul. Through worship, God's presence became a fortress and a refuge for me. And as I sang those lyrics, I now know God was preparing me, but at the same time as I sang it from my heart, I knew it was a risk. The song is called Oceans, Where Feet May Fail. 
Part of the risk of the song says, says this, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of the Lord. Yes, it was a scary to make that a prayer. Where are you going to take me, Lord? Since those few years ago, when I learnt that song, I recognised that the words I sang became the very words and prayer that eventuated in my life and helped me get through some very difficult circumstances recently. God has taken me out of a life I knew so well, and now I begin a new journey with him. And as I reflect on my life from the point where I gave my heart to Jesus at age 37, I've learnt so much about God's love through songs. They've helped me grow my growth in knowing Jesus and my relationship with him. God seems to put songs in my life to suit what is happening at the time. For example, when I was in Switzerland at the end of 2016, I couldn't help but worship God through the lyrics to How Great Is Your God, How Great Is Your Love, sorry, How High and How Wide, How Deep and How Long, How Great Is Your Love, O Lord, the song we sang just before. My encouragement to you would be to connect with God through songs which become a prayer, to let go of any inhibitions when worshipping and singing praises to the Lord. For me, that included raising my hands and moving a little and not fearing how that looks or what others may think because you are singing praises to the Lord. It's not about you or the person next to you. It's about him. It's about God just to allow the lyrics and the music to fall into your heart and to invite Jesus in. The song I have referred to today will be played during communion and the words will be up on the screen. And you may like to reflect on these words and lyrics yourself. And I just want to say, just because I got emotional, I'm, I'm just so forever grateful um, that I have God in my life, that he is my fortress and my refuge in times of trouble. And I know there's a lot of people here that uh, are my sisters and brothers in Christ. And they're, that's what we're here for, to support each other. And that's what you've done for me. Thank you. There's so many ways individually to respond to God's love. Thank you, Carolyn, for sharing how you're responding in worship. Linda will now be sharing how she responds in sharing God's love with others. I was having a conversation with a young Buddhist friend and we were talking about karma. And she was explaining, Linda, it's like this. If I do good works, then that's accredited to me as karma. But if I think in the middle of my good work, my goodness me, this is going to be good karma for me, then I've just blown it. It just won't be a credit to me. And I said, um, oh, gee, Ariane, um, my, my God tells me that um, he's prepared the good works 
for me to work, walk in, and I, I just have to be alert for them. Later that evening, she said, could I borrow your um, hair dryer, Linda? And I said, sure. And she said, with a twinkle in her eye, that's good karma, Linda. And I said, but maybe God has prepared that good work from the beginning of time for me to do to you. So we had, we had a little laugh about it. Um, um, however, I was not prepared for the opportunity um, that God gave me to be chaplain at the Diamond Creek Women's Football Club. I am distinctly unsporty and was uneducated and uninterested in football. People who know me say that this is proof positive that God has a sense of humour. Could I have the next uh, slide, please, on? What I am serious about and deeply conscious of is the distorted image the community can have of God. And what is infinitely sad is that we in the church can struggle to see God as good and as loving. In the text on the screen, Satan first casts doubt about God and then tells an outright lie about his character. God is seen as mean, jealous, controlling, not loving or having the best interests of his people at heart. These are the characteristics of Satan, not of God. This ancient lie is alive and particularly well in the 21st century. I am the obvious face of Christ and his church in the football community. How they will see him is through me. And I am hardly unique. As each place we enter, we bring him into that place, into that situation. Whether it's work, school, having coffee, whatever, we are the public face of Christ to the community. They are going to get their impression of what God is like through us. The love of God in our life spills over in our thoughts, words and actions almost unconsciously. We're often very unaware of how people see us. It is my third season in the footy club and I have seen a change in people's attitudes. At first they were a bit puzzled at exactly what a chaplain was. When I was introduced to them, some would tell me their religious ancestry. Oh, you're a chaplain. Oh, yeah. My uncle's brother-in-law was a uniting church minister. I didn't quite know how to reply to that, so I'd smile. Um, Are you a sort of a psychiatrist? One said. Another said, now, Linda, I hope you're not offended, but we want to know if chaplains are allowed to marry. (laughs) One club official told me afterwards... He said, oh, when I heard we're having a chaplain, I was thinking, oh, I wonder what we'll do with her. I replied, I wonder the same thing. My role was to be there, talking to people, getting to know them, sharing in their lives, listening to them. I got myself on the committee and learned deeper things about the club and I could pray in a more informed way. 
I was asked to deal in tricky relationship issues that God gave me the wisdom for. Attitudes began to change and they started teasing. One guy, whenever he saw me park, would start praying. And I'd say, Rob, it's all right, I'm not going to hit your car. <laughs> um, they would come up and they'd say, Linda, have you been praying for this match? Because we need it. <laughs> and on one particularly dirty day, one of the, um, the team manager turned to me and said, Linda, would you please do something about this weather? <laughs> I raised my eyes heavenward and then I turned and looked at her and said, he wants you to enjoy the full footy experience. <laughs> Wherever human beings are, there will be issues. In a particularly complex and painful situation occurring at the club, one woman turned to me and said, a higher power must have sent you to us. At the committee meeting a few days later, the whole group acknowledged that I had been sent to them to help deal with this issue. What lifted my heart was that they were praising God and saying that the initiative came from him. They weren't saying, isn't she good? They were saying, God has sent you. And, um, and I was, my heart was deeply, deeply, deeply moved by that. The love that God has given me for these people is not in my capacity to give. But he has been so good to me in difficult and tragic situations. He has been unveiling his character and freeing me from the lies about his love that I have believed. And that is what motivates me to speak. One of the powerful things about hearing how the love of God transforms individuals and others is it raises our own faith and sharpens our faith in what that same God wants to do in our life, what he could do. Finally, I'd like to ask Neil to share. Um, Neil's responding in, in response to God's love he gives, and he's also written a song that he'll be sharing. So we might, I'll ask you to speak first and then we'll move down after that. Thanks. Um, in response to God's love, I give. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word give, the first thing I think about is money. Um, and I guess those of us that have been around the church for a while, you can remember that annual talk that you used to get about money. <coughs> money is a very important thing, and it's a, a, a part of our faith that we should take very seriously and deliberately. But if it's all we think about when we think about giving, then I think we can risk it being very much arm's length with, with uh, relationship. So lately I've been sort of thinking, well, what are the other ways we give and what are good examples of giving? Uh, because as Christian people, we should be giving people. Um, recently, Robin and I went to uh, a speech by two indigenous communities both these indigenous communities had had um, terrible instances of abuse within their communities. And um, um, it, it was so bad, like, like one of the guys said, their church community, there was 200, overnight it went from 200 to 20 people just because of this event, just boom, everybody was gone. So, um, you know, it was really quite... Um, traumatic 
Um, they talked about how incapable they felt uh, in healing the community uh, and how deep the hurt was, but they also talked about what great love they have for their community and also what great love they had for the people that were attempting to help the community and to build that community back together. They spoke of their faith in God and uh, their utter reliance on him. Now, after the session, um, I felt strangely uplifted. Uh, and I think, it, I think it was a lot more than just the fact that things were beginning to improve in the community because it was still early days and the community was still, you know, had a lot of work to be done. But I actually, on reflecting, I think I was blessed by their honesty and their love. And they spoke with honesty and, and, and love. They, they spoke of their love for their God, their community, and, and all of the people around them. Um, and I was thinking, well, what a great gift it is um, when people speak with honesty and love. Uh, it can be just uh, a, a great a gift to others. Now, I'd have to say a lot of my dealings with people, I guess I'd describe them as transactional. Um, and by that, I mean I'm trying to get facts across rather than uplift somebody else. So it's been a real challenge for me to start to think differently. As I'm talking to this person, do I really want to say, I just want that loaf of bread and whatever, or do I take the opportunity to um, uplift them in some way or ask them something about themselves or whatever? I have to admit, not a strong point, a strong suit for me, but that's, that's been the challenge. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we, um, our reading was in, in part um, uh, this verse. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very word of God. That was 1 Peter 4.11. And I just wonder how differently it would be if all Christians uh, spoke the very words of God or considered themselves every time they opened their mouths to be speaking the very words of God. It obviously puts a lot of pressure on, but um, and our reliance on God to give us those words is so important. Um, what we're going to do, do now, I'm going to put that verse up uh, um, on, the, on the overhead, um, and you might like to just meditate on that, that particular verse um, while I, um, I'm going to sing a song that picks up some of the themes um, in that verse. Yeah. So the verse is up there. Thank you, Linda and Carolyn. Um, the worship team will come up after Neil's um, performed his piece that is written, but I'm going to close in prayer and then we'll hand it over to Neil. Our God is love. God is our shepherd. We are his sheep. We hear his voice. We matter to him. We're known to him. He gave his son that we could have relationship to him. And he wants to walk with us. Lord, we ask that you would come into our lives in deeper ways, revealing your love. May that cause us to come alive in the abundance of life that Jesus came to bring us. And may that transform our life for our sake, but also for the community and the people around us. We give you praise and commit these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
spoken A healing balm for the broken In all my ways Throughout all my days Let love be spoken Let me see through your eyes The ones this world would despise In all my ways Throughout all my days Let me see through your eyes Let my hands be your hands My greatest joy, love's command In all my ways, throughout all my days Let my hands be your hands Through it all may I know, but for the grace of God I am lost. This freedom I have has come at great cost. And may every captive see the cross as God's greatest voice to the glory and praise of God. Glory and praise of God. In all my words, let love be spoken.